Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. We are uh, in a season right now called Landmark. God is preparing our church for what he has called our church to. He's called us to something that's God-sized. He's called us to something that's bigger than any one of us. It's bigger than the collective of us. Landmark. We believe that God has put a God-sized vision in our hearts to establish a landmark in this community where people will come to meet Jesus for the very first time. God has been writing this story that began, as you've heard, in the 60s when a collective first gathered on a church property. And in 1979, when they first bought 2.1 acres of property that for 44 years has been undeveloped. And now for such a time as this, for some reason, God is saying, I want this collective of people to hold the pen as I write the story, but I'm calling you and inviting you to trust me in this. And it's amazing. I wanna bring you back to a year ago, April 27th, 2022. Leading into this week and this day, April 27th, our church was at a crossroads of trying to determine what is God calling us to? We were growing, it's awesome, reaching more people. We had been portable here for just a year at that point. And really the leadership team was asking questions of God, what door are you opening and what doors are you closing so that your name might be known in the greatest capacity here? on the East End. At that point, we had been having conversations internally of where do we build, do we build? We had knocked on every door. And when I say every door, I mean every door <laughs> in this community. We had talked to other churches to find out if there was a way for partnering. We had talked to, to real estate agents on commercial space, on buildings, and knowing God called us to the East End of Long Island. So knowing our radius on that map and saying, God, where is it? What is it? and sitting on this 2.1 acres of property. And we started having a conversation with our town because they were interested in portion of it so that they might see a vision fulfilled and so that we might see a vision fulfilled. And we got to this point where we didn't know what to do. Has anyone ever been there before? Don't leave me hanging. Don't make me think I'm the only one who's never not known what to do. We've all had those moments where we don't know what to do. And so the week of April 27th, we were heading down to Charleston for ARC Conference. We are an ARC Church, Association of Related Churches. It's our tribe. Hey, every time you give, we give, and more local churches are starting because of that generosity. And so we go to ARC Conference, and I went in knowing I want help. I don't know what to do. I don't, we don't know. We're having conversations as a team. Do we sell property? Do we build on it? What do we do? And really nothing felt peaceful. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll talk to the experts. Because <laughs> when you don't know what to do, you talk to someone who does. And at ARC conference, there are different vendors and organizations that are there. And some of them, their priority, their assignment is to help churches construct new buildings for the glory of God. So I said, I'll talk to somebody. So I went up to the first organization. I said, hi, I'm Keith Riverhead. Where's that? I, I know, I get that all the time. Long Island. <laughs> does anything good happen on Long Island? Yes, it does. It's happening. I, I know. We have this vision. We don't know if we should sell property or build. We really don't want to do it. I'm asking you, would you partner with us? And the person said, no. 
I said, okay, don't worry. There's more people here. I'm not gonna give up. In faith, I'm gonna keep asking. So I go to the next organization. I say, hey, Keith, Blaze Church, we have this vision, but we don't know what to do. We don't know if we should build or we should sell. We don't, we don't know and we need help. And they said, no. <laughs> and I said, why not? They said, well, if just be honest with you, it doesn't make business sense for us to partner. You know, we're national. You're too far. The project's too small. We just, we've never seen anything like this done in your region. We just don't even, we don't even know how to start there. So if you know the Bible belt, you know the belt buckle of the Bible belt, we were there. <laughs> and this is not that. Just so you know, Long Island is not in the Bible belt, okay? So th this just hasn't been done. So okay, don't worry. There's a third organization. And I know how God works in threes. I've read a story about a man who was in the grave for three days. I know what happens on the third day. So God, in faith, I'm gonna ask this third organization. And you know, I asked them in faith. You know what they said? No. <laughs> I said, really? And I gotta tell you, I don't know how you handle rejection. I don't know how you handle it when you have to make big decisions and you're trying to get help and expert advice and all that. I'll just tell you, I was devastated. I really was. I went in there already wondering, am I called to this? This is so big. Can we do this? God, I need faith. And then you just get, no, no, no. And so we went out to dinner. We had some of our lead team there, Sharon. And then two hours later, I get a text message from that third organization. And I have the text. Do you want to see the text? I have the text. Let's show, them, show the text. This is the text I got. He said, Keith, this is Rodney James from Master's Plan. If you have time, drop back by the booth. I feel I'm supposed to help you somehow. Now you may not be blown away as you're hearing that, but I got that text and my heart dropped. What? First of all, how did you get my number? The only reason I got my number was because I put my card in a little fishbowl to win the iPad, okay? It's just, well, if I'm not gonna get a church, might as well try to win the prize. <laughs> there you go. Spam me with emails, that's fine. He fished for my number, found it and texted me. That's Rodney there, it's he and I. And I went back to the booth and I said, what is going on? He said, listen, the moment you left, the moment you left, the Holy Spirit started working on our hearts. He said, we had the worst dinner we've ever had. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't your fault. The Holy Spirit made us feel uncomfortable for the last two hours. That we know without a doubt now we're called to partner with you and your church to see the vision accomplished. And he said, it doesn't make business sense. We're gonna lose money on this. They're from Oklahoma. They've never done a Long Island project. They've built churches that you would know the names of nationally. They've worked on design. They've done this, but they've never been in this region. He said, it doesn't really make sense in the natural, but the Holy Spirit stirred our hearts in the supernatural. He did something. So he shares later, I sent him a text a couple hours later after the worship service and he writes, first, God wanted you to know he sees you. He has heard your heart. Now I might've been the recipient of that text, but Blaze Church, that's directed towards you. God sees you. God knows your heart. God knows the vision he's given to us. There's no doubt he spoke the minute you walked away. I need to ask you to forgive me for not saying yes the first time. That takes humility. The Holy Spirit was very clear. We were to help you. So that means he has a plan. They don't have the plan. He does. And I trust him and I cannot wait to see what he will do. I love you both already. And I'm looking forward to walking with you. I wrote 
that night, I journal every day of what God might be doing. And I wrote that, that's from my journal, a miracle at our conference. God stirred me to speak to Rodney at Master's Plan. He said no to helping us. The Holy Spirit spoke to him over dinner. He texted and said, God has a plan, he will help us. I believe a miracle will unfold. And I'm here to tell you almost a year and a half later, I still believe a miracle is going to unfold. I believe that what God starts, he brings to completion. And I believe he's calling us to trust him for such a time as this. What I want you to understand, Blaze Church, is the landmark vision began with faith and it will continue with faith. It began in faith. It didn't begin with, with us sitting in a room to say, you know what? It's really comfortable and easy doing what we're doing. Let's make it harder. Let's, let's just figure out some crazy way to make things go upside down. No, no, it started in faith with God saying, what I have you doing is beautiful, but I gotta tell you, there's a whole lot more lost people in Riverhead that need to know Jesus. There's a whole lot more people who need to have a place where they can invite their friends, their family, their coworkers, that they might meet God. And today, maybe that's your story. You're here today because someone invited you. This is your first time in church. And I'm so happy you're here because we have a vision. We've been waiting for you. We've been preparing for you so that when you show up, you would feel at home. Your kid's taken care of. The coffee's good. It's strong. If you don't have gas in your car, just bring a cup out there. It'll make it work, I promise you. It's diesel. The music's good, the lights, all of this. Hey, it's for the glory of our King and so that lost people might come to know him. We've been thinking about you. I'm glad you're here. And we have a really big vision to see more people who don't know Jesus come to know him on the east end of Long Island. We do. And it's gonna take faith. Say faith. It's gonna take faith. What is faith? Well, Hebrews says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith for the believer is not wishy-washy imagination. Faith for the believer isn't, I hope it doesn't rain today. Uh, That's a different kind of faith. It's a hope. We have a confidence. We have an assurance. We have, I'm not trusting in what's before me. I'm not trusting in a plan or a person. I'm trusting in the God of the universe himself. I don't have faith in Landmark. You shouldn't have faith in me. We have faith in God and what he calls us to. And what he calls us to, we will follow his call in faith. I read this commentary, I love it. Faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen, but has been promised by God will actually come to pass. Why? Because God will bring it about. Some of you today can't see a way out of your current marital situation, but God has a way out. Some of you today are saying, my kids will never surrender to Jesus, but God has a way out. Some of you are saying, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt and there's not enough in, but God has a way out. He's got a way. And I want for this moment for you to have faith rise up in you to leave here saying, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? He's more than able. He's more than able. And we're not believing in those situations. Don't cross the lines. We're believing in the God of the miraculous. Saying, God, I'm trusting you. Whatever you call me to, I'm trusting you. You're good. As Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
still good. Still good. You need faith. Look at your neighbor and tell him you need faith. You need faith. You need it. And that's not their words. Don't take their words for it. Take his, Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible. For some of us, the challenge of believing in God is a faith problem. We don't believe in him. So isn't it almost circular? Well, I wanna believe in God, but I don't have enough faith. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do I need faith? Is it God? Well, how does faith grow? How many would say by a raise of hands, you want more faith in your life? My hand's up. I want more faith, I want more faith. Okay, so where does that come from? Well, let's turn to God's word, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. In other words, if you wanna believe more in Jesus, you need to hear more about Jesus. <laughs> I need to hear more about him. I need the good news. So today, all I'm gonna do for the rest of our time together is just share with you who he is and what he's able to do. And I believe faith will rise up for whatever you're believing for. You have things today that you're saying, God, I need a miracle in this situation. We as a church, we're calling it landmark, are saying, God, we need a miracle in this situation. We're gonna trust him. So I wanna show you a miracle moment that is written about in all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. The Bible is 66 different pieces of literature and the New Testament that tells the life, ministry, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus is the second part. It begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of these writers write about the miracle we'll read about today. It is the only miracle they all write about besides the resurrection of Jesus. Otherwise you get, you know, Matthew highlights things and Mark and Luke and they fit the mold to put the pieces together for the puzzle. But they all write about this one. And I think it's because it is crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy miracle. And I could just see them sitting together brainstorming. Okay, who's gonna take this one? And all their hands go up. <laughs> no, no, Matthew, you already got enough content. Mark's the shortest book. I don't care. I'm putting this one in too. <laughs> John, you've been writing for days, bro. You got more letters coming and a revelation. Really? I don't care. I'm writing about this one too. It's wild. So lean in because who are we to deny what the Lord can do? So here we go, John 6. Sometime later, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far, the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. So get the scene there's a crowd coming after them. We'll talk about the number in a moment. Jesus goes up a mountainside and he's sitting there with his disciples. And it says the Jewish Passover festival was near. There's details John gives us. And what I want you to understand is this time period, this region where they were on the other side of the Sea of Tiberias, the town that's there is estimated to have a population of 40,000 people. We will read that 5,000 men were present on this day, plus their families. So scholars can safely say nearly half the town might've been present on that day. Nearly 20,000 between men, women, and children are coming after. That's a great crowd. That's a big crowd. And they're coming towards Jesus and Jesus is here with his guys up on a mountain. And it says the Passover was near. The Passover was the Jewish festival where they would celebrate and remember the day where God liberated them from Egyptian slavery. At this point, 
for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Jewish people every year would celebrate the Passover. They would have a lamb and they would say the lamb died instead of us. And they would remember how God redeemed them from Egyptian slavery. That's important to remember. This is close to the Passover. And Jesus is here. And we read, by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Man, we've been at this for a long time, Jesus. So look what they say. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus, it's been a long day. And you know what? This ain't our problem. So send the crowds away so they can buy themselves something to eat. They are pushing off the responsibility. They're saying this is not on us to provide food for all these people. So Jesus, you're in charge. Tell them it's time to go home so we can hit up Applebee's for half price apps because it's been a long day. Send them home. Don't miss what he says next because it's for us. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Do you know what this is? It's a commission. It's a mandate. It's a command. It is the teacher telling his followers, I know you think it's not your problem, but it is. I know you think this is not your responsibility, but it is. You give them something to eat. Blaze Church, this is the call of God for our collective. We are called, it is our responsibility to care for the community that God has us in. You gotta know that if this is your church. You know why we celebrate people joining the dream team and encourage you to go through the growth track and make a difference and why we're constantly saying generosity is our privilege because it is our responsibility to care for the crowds. This week, one of our small groups made it their responsibility to feed the hungry and made 42 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and went out and fed the hungry. They just said it's our responsibility. If not us, then who? Yeah. And you made that happen. Every person, because we exist in this community, that small group could exist. Those people ate this week because of you. you like you're, you're a part of that. You made it your responsibility. <clears throat> it's our responsibility. If not us, then who? And we don't say that with arrogance. We say that with humility. God, may we strengthen other local churches and other believers. Because I think it's interesting. The population of that community was estimated at 40,000. Census Bureau showed 35,000 people in Riverhead in 2021. Those are close numbers. I think it's our responsibility to take care of this community. I think it's our responsibility to make sure pastors and other leaders are cared for and they're healthy so they can keep leading local churches well in this community. I think it's our responsibility that if we see someone who's hungry on the street, we say, we know where you can get some food. I think it's our responsibility for kids as young as babies to be on that side of the wall cared for and being taught the word of God. It's a conviction. It's our responsibility. You feed them. You feed them. So when Jesus tells you to do something, you figure it out. So here's what we read. When Jesus looked up 
and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip. So out of the 12, he chooses Philip. I'm gonna tell you why I think he did. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He looks at Philip. He looks at the crowd. It goes, Phil, where are we getting the bread, bro? He asks Phil because Phil was from that region. Phil grew up in a town close to this area. So Phil is a local. Phil knows the best restaurants. When I travel, I find somebody local and say, tell me where I'm eating. I'm in for a day. I don't. And if you dare suggest a chain restaurant, I'm never talking to you again. I don't want Cheesecake Factory. I don't want Applebee's. I want to know that place that nobody knows about that everybody eats at. I want that. He's a local. So he goes, Phil, where are we getting all the bread? Where are we? Where? And Phil's thinking, man, there's an olive garden not too far away. They do unlimited breadsticks. Maybe we can do that. He's racking, like, where, where are we getting this bread? Where are we getting this bread, Phil? Now watch this. He asks Phil the question, but look at what John tells us about Jesus's intention. He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Why are you messing with Phil, Jesus? If you already have the answer and the solution, why are you asking Phil where to get the bread from? Are you simply being mean? Are you taunting him? Are you setting him up for failure? I believe he wasn't setting him up for failure. He was setting him up for faith. Because by asking Phil to go through his human solution Rolodex, to Google all the restaurants he knew about, he's saying, I'm gonna come up short. Exactly, and I just need you to acknowledge that. <laughs> I just need you to know that what's before you right now, the mountain you think that can't be moved, it can't in your own strength, but hey, you got the mountain mover standing right in front of you. Can you hear this today? Some of you think there will never be a change in your relationship, that you will never get out of the pit, that you maybe even dug yourself. And yet the psalmist says, you brought me up out of the miry pit. You set my feet on a rock to stay. And as long as you keep looking at it in the natural, trying to find a human solution to something that's God-sized, you're gonna miss the miracle that God wants to perform. God is calling our church to a miracle. And it started in faith and it's gonna continue in faith. So Phil, where are we going? And Phil says, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. So Phil does quick math, scans the crowd. Oh my goodness, Jesus, even if we worked for months, we could work, all of us, all 12, all of us working for months, we still wouldn't even come close to how much money we need to accomplish the God-sized vision you just said. And what was it? You feed them. <laughs> That's the vision. It, it, teaching you some stuff about leadership and how to lead your own life. You need a vision for your life. The vision in this moment was you feed them. The lie was it's not our responsibility. The truth was, yes, it is. The lie was we have to do it on our own. The truth is Jesus is standing right there. This is good. You should be taking notes. I took notes. God's trying to stir our faith today, guys. We can't just say, well, we don't have enough. It's impossible. And then we stop there and throw in the towel. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? So Jesus asks a question. 
that you and I maybe have skipped over. You might be skipping over this in your relationships. You might be skipping over this in your career. You might be skipping over this in your finances. There's a God-sized vision and you can never do it. And Jesus asks a good question. Here's the question. Watch this. You never thought of this. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. Are you, are you seeing the conversation? Here's the problem. There's nearly half the town coming to us. Jesus says, you feed them. That's vision. And then Philip says, we can never do this. So he's ready to just say, it's impossible. And Jesus goes, hold on, man. How much bread do you have? He's already concluded it doesn't matter, but it does. Go and find out. Do you know what this is called? An audit. Jesus is like, just go audit the crowd. Take some inventory. See what you do have. See what's out there. Go and find out. Some of us have concluded it's impossible before we've looked at what God has even put into our hands. What do you have? So I want to help you with this. Some of you will start here with your time. It's impossible. I can never serve. Well, go and find out. Open your calendar. Check your calendar before you conclude you can't. Do an audit on your time. What are you saying yes to already? Here's the truth about the person sitting next to you that's serving on the dream team. They too have 24 hours in their day. They too are landlocked by the clock. Do an audit on your time when you say you can't. How about on our purpose? Yeah, but I'm not talented enough. I'm not skilled to do those things. Do an audit on your purpose. Do you know how you do that at Blaze Church? The growth track. BlazeChurch.org slash growth track. You go through the growth track and you will literally come out the other side knowing what you're made for and how you're made. And what about finances? This is a tool we just released to help you do an audit on your finances, your finances. So BlazeChurch.org slash budget tools. And you can scan the QR code right now if you'd like and then go back to it later. This will come up. Before we say, I don't have enough, I believe God's saying to you, did you go and find out? What do you have? So Amy and I, on September 30th, the day before the spiritual journey began for Landmark, we used this spreadsheet, put in all of our expenses, put in our income, and saw what was on the other side. And now for two weeks, we've been praying, God, here's what you put in our hands. We wanna trust you with it on Commitment Sunday. And if you're saying, well, I didn't start then, it's too late. We did the same thing yesterday, Friday two days ago. Opened it back up, checked it again. Okay, is it still there? Yep. Okay, and this is the number we're going to pray about. Do an audit on your finances. Don't just conclude you can. Trust the one who's put some stuff in your hands. And so he calls the disciples to do this. Go and find out. And then they come back to him. It says in John 6, 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Everybody has an Eeyore in their life. And everybody needs a Tigger. First, we've got Phil, 
Oh, we could work for months and it wouldn't be enough. All right, Phil, calm down, buddy. Go find out what you got. Then Drew comes up. Well, we looked. Five loaves, two fish, not enough. Because you're looking in the natural when I want to provide a supernatural solution. Psychologists call this the drop in the bucket effect. This is a term where we can become so overwhelmed by the magnitude of a problem. And since we can't fix the whole thing, we conclude I won't do anything. Well, if I can't change the whole thing, we get stuck and we say, I won't even do anything. My five loaves can't make a difference here. And I got to tell you, as a pastor, I'm not a psychologist. As a pastor, I believe it's a lie from the enemy to keep us paralyzed, to not trust God with what we do have in our hands. Well, what's my $10 going to do? What's me serving, holding a door going to do? What's that going to do if I just show up? It doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference. That is a lie from the enemy that wants to keep you paralyzed, not living a life of purpose. When God is saying, I put something in your hands. Yeah, but God is too small. It's only five loaves and two fish. I put it in your hands. Now put it in mine. Put it in mine. So here's the question. Are you letting him touch what's in your hands? Are you letting the master who put it there in the first place? He made you, he created you, he's given you breath, he's given you resources. Are you letting him touch it? Why? Because what he touches, he transforms. And that is the life of every believer in this space. You surrendered your life to him and he has transformed you and made you new. And if you have yet to be transformed by the touch of Jesus, today you are invited to surrender your life to him and leave here transformed. He does that. Will you share what you have in your hands? So he goes out and they say, there's only five loaves and two fish. Now, I might be speculating, but I gotta believe in a crowd that size, somebody else had food that day. Come on. You know, if there's just one mom in that crowd, she clenched her diaper bag a little tighter because she's got goldfish in that bag. Puffs, animal crackers, juice pouches. There's something in that bag. How is it that the audit only produces five loaves and two fish? How is it that it's the faith of a young child to say, Jesus, here's my lunch. It could feed me or I could put it in your hands and watch what you do. What if you're holding on to something because you're so concerned with you, but he's saying, but if you trust me and take care of my kingdom, I'll take care of you and yours. And you'll make a difference in other people's lives. I just don't want you to miss what God's about to do next weekend through Landmark. I don't want you to miss it. What he wants to do through you this week. So we connected with some archeologists and we actually dug up video footage of this moment. We've got actual on-site footage. And for five payments of $39.99, I'm just joking, it's too easy. Take a look at the screen, see what that moment looked like. This is wonderful bread in the house. I know something else. Well, it's enough for me. 
rest of it. Yeah, that's the last thing. All right, Marcus, you can have your basket back. Imagine what it was like for Phil and Drew that day. <laughs> they ate their words and some fish. <laughs> God can do it. Why not us? Why not you? Why not Blaze Church? Why not Landmark? Why not Riverhead? He can do it. And I believe his call to us today is, will you trust me? Will you put it in my hands? So the people lose their mind, rightfully so. And then they want to force him to be their king. But Jesus withdraws. Why would he withdraw when they're believing in the signs? Well, here's why. It wasn't the right Passover. Do you remember the context? John tells us it was right before the Passover. But this wasn't the right one. A year later, Jesus would be having the Passover meal with his disciples again. And as he gathered with them in an upper room, he would do what he did a year before with the bread. We read in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. You've seen this, they saw it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, now look at this, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This Passover was not about filling stomachs. It was about filling hearts. This Passover, he would not take the throne. He would take the cross. This Passover, he would satisfy not a physical hunger, but a spiritual need. The greatest miracle that you and I experience is the bread of life giving up his life for us. And if he, he's done that, then won't he do everything else? Isn't it all in his hands? So I know you got the diagnosis and it's not what you were expecting. God is still able and he's with you. I know that you never expected your marriage to be here. God is still with you and he is still able. 
I know that you're looking at your finances saying, but how can I ever get out of this mess? I know. God is still able and he is still here. And whatever the solution looks like, you already have all the peace you need because he is the Prince of Peace in your life. And we stand with you and we pray in faith and we thank God that in the midst of trials, James writes, we count it joy because it produces an endurance that is everlasting. He's able. So today we will remember the broken body of Jesus through the Lord's Supper, through communion. We will take the cracker, the bread, and we will break it and we will say, this points us back to the day where the bread of life broke for us. If we could summarize this whole day in one statement, here's what Jesus said the next day after the bread miracle. He told them in John 6, 29, this is the only work God wants from you. Please church, this is it. This is everything boiled down. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in Jesus. What God wants most for your life and why we are dedicated to bringing the gospel to every person is because God is calling you to believe in his son. When you believe in his son, he will take care of the rest. He will give you the path to walk in your relationships. He'll give you the path to walk in your finances. He'll be with you amidst the brokenness and the doctor's reports and the betrayals and all of it. He will be there. The work that God calls us to is to believe in his son. And right now, I wanna invite you to put your faith in his son. Scripture tells us, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we will be saved. And so would you bow your heads with me right now in this church? It's a moment of prayer. And if you wanna know Jesus today, you're saying, I'm here and it's no accident. On this day, God is calling me to surrender my life to him and you want to be saved. I'm gonna ask you to be bold and raise your hand in this moment because we're gonna pray as a church. And with your hand raised as a sign of surrender to God, would you join us in this prayer? The prayer does not save us, the person does. His name is Jesus and we're calling on him now. So church, would you pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today, I surrender mine. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Blaze Church, let's celebrate with heaven right now as people are saying, you are my king, you are my Lord, and I am saved in Jesus' name.